I'm Jen Northington. And this is Tar Valen or Bust, a Wheel of Time podcast. We are rereading the books, talking about our favorite and not so favorite moments, and digging into all things of Wheel of Time. And this is our dive into episode two of the Wheel of Time TV show. And this episode is called Shadows Waiting. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. And it was written by Amanda Kate Schumann. Whew. Nice. Well, right. okay, so Preeti, before we even talk about what actually happens oh, okay. in this episode, All right. I it, there's like the preview, right? It's like previously on Wheel of Time, yes. and you see like some scenes from previous. Moiraine is like, it's one of, the dragon is one of the four of you. They never establish, how does she know? Like, no, how don't. does she know that it's them? We and it started <laughs> bothering me a little bit. I'm like, how does she know? We we touched on this in the last episode, and I accounted it to just how ready everyone is to speak rumors and kind of how much mm. more people seem to know in general in this world mm. um, of the television show versus the books where everything is like subterfuge and secrecy and right. like you can't talk about it like well and the- also in the books like she figures out that they're Taverin yes but she does and she thinks one of them might be the dragon yes and so she's waiting to see like what happens with them I think to- this this is just the show being like we got it we have to like we just <laughs> She just we knows. can't wait for her to figure out at some point that one of them might be. She's like, she's looked at them. She's like, here are four people who are 20. It's definitely one of them. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's bothering me. So that's sort of beside the point. But I just I think to it's just it. I, it's one of those things where you're just like, okay, I accept it. At some right, point, we'll right. just like, you know, the there was like a prophecy. 20 years later, somebody was born, blah, 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 like whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's television magic. Yeah, yeah, we, you're right. We accept it. <laughs> well, I sort of accept it. <laughs> With <Fair>. reservations. <laughs> um, all right, so let's, let's dig into Shadows Waiting, which for some reason I, you, I put as a possessive, but I... Is it a possessive or is it oh. multiple shadows? Ooh, let's find out. I have my IMDb open. It is possessive in oh, IMDb. Good. It's like oh, good. the waiting of the shadow. Oh. I mean, that's my interpretation of how the possessive is. Right? No, that makes sense. Yeah. Um. So it kicks off and we are immediately with our least favorite group of people <laughs> until we meet the sunshine, I assume, in the show. Yeah. Uh, the White Cloaks. And there's some, like, big fucking Denethor energy happening in this scene. Oh, my God. Yeah, it opens with this, like, very, like, nervous-looking little brown boy in his white, in his, well, it's like a gray outfit, I guess, bringing this, like, you know, very fancy plate of dinner to, I guess it's Eamon Valda. They don't ever say his name in the show. Yeah. But but IMDb tells me. Yeah. Who I don't remember who this is. We have not met him yet in the books, right? I don't mm, think he might have been in like one or two scenes, but uh, but nothing he major. Has not, no, nothing major, not yet. No, I was thinking because it's so it's he's played by Abdul Salis and and so 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 good. Oh yes. Um, but I was wondering if since they're introducing him so early as this questioner and da da da, is he going to be kind of an amalgamation of some of the more like Probably. annoying white cloaks? Is my guess that would be I would I would support that guess. I think that's a solid guess. 
Yeah, so he's so he's got this like, and it's like this like bird with bones sticking. It's like a delicacy, clearly. And it it is. It's very Denethor. He like puts it in his mouth and eats it, and then like blood comes out (laughs) of his mouth. It's really nasty. And he's talking right at the camera to somebody who's in front of him, clearly Mm -hmm. who we don't see for a few minutes. This is also a scene I have issues with. In in, I have multiple layers of issues with. Same. So there's this woman bound to a stake. Her hands have been chopped off. We see oh that there's God. like a ring on her severed hand. So she's an Aes Sedai. <laughs> she's bound and gagged. But here's the thing. Here's one of one of the many issues I have with this sequence. Just from a logistics perspective. She can still fucking channel, right? Yeah, she like, can she's still an channel. Aes Sedai. Like the way you kill an Aes Sedai in the books is you have to like get them from afar so they can't yeah. get to you. So like I don't understand how the book believe like why the show is like, oh yeah, if you tie them to a stake, they can't get away. Like obviously she would be able to get away. I guess or do I could something. like if it's just so so weak and overwhelmed with pain is one thing, yeah. but I don't like the implication that because they cut her hands off, she is now powerless. Well, there, I didn't there like go. that. No, yeah. it doesn't make any like it, there's no logic to it. If you know anything, which I guess the show like is presuming maybe I don't know. I don't know what they're. But assuming I also don't here. like that. What the show is yeah. telling people who don't read the books then <laughs> right. is without their hands, Aes Sedai cannot channel, which is nonsense. It's nonsense and it's ableist. So ableist. I, I was just going to say, it. it's both of those things. It's both nonsense and ableist. So I yeah, don't like yeah. that. <laughs> Speaking of um, other social issues with this scene. Which we will get into deeper, I think, as we go on. But yeah. But anyway, the Avon Valda guy, then like she burns up and he is very happy about it. He's got all these rings on his on this like attachment to his white outfit so he's mm-hmm. clearly like killed a bunch of Aes Sedai and this actor is so good he's, he's so, so good. creepy he's so contained Ooh, I he's, know like, I love it casual in that like super villain way it's yes. very it's very it's, creepifying what I like so far is that so we're seeing kind of two human presumably human villains between yeah um, Eamon Valda and Pat and Fane, and they're very different in how they're presented, which I like a lot. Mm-hmm. Like in terms of Pat and Fane giving us this, like, like tricking us into liking him, and then right. that switch goes off. Or Eamon Valda, who is like right off the bat, you're <laughs> like, you are terrifying. Yeah. Um, there are less good <laughs> implications to the similarities between the two characters, yeah. which again we will dig deeper into a little later in this episode i did want to shout out really quickly i loved the costuming yes yes the white cloak like like outfits yeah outfits outfits whatever the official garb Garb, i don't know (laughs) uniforms yeah um are wonderful they're perfect they're they're perfect so perfect because they're just like you can see how seeing a group of people dressed in that would just like immediately be terrifying and it just it brings all of it yeah to light (laughs) 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 it's very good um but we get a lot out of this scene of course which is like white cloaks not great Mm, mm -hmm. right off the bat we know (laughs) um we've got some like fanaticism going Mm mm-hmm it's a lot of brutality. Yep. Uh, and then it cuts into our first intro because the first episode did not have the yes. the whole introduction. 
And now having seen these episodes a few times, I it's grown on me. I like it. <laughs> I like it. At first I was like, uh, but like I actually quite like it a lot. And the theme song has a big, big uh like uh it overlaps with the t- the forest temple song in Zelda Ocarina of Time. Oh, that's a very a specific lot. reference. It's very specific, but it does, and it brings to mind that same sort of like anxiety that you might feel in the forest temple in the Ocarina of Time. And I don't <laughs> know like if there is any official reference, but it certainly brought that to light for me, and they use it in the show to quite good effect. Yeah, yeah. There's the thing that I, I mean, I get that they're doing this whole like weaving and threads yeah. and like the pattern, et cetera. Um, the thing that I think is interesting is that there is nary a male face in that opening. No. It's a hundred percent Aes Sedai. Like yep. there's not any like dragon anything. Nope. There's until you get to like the show's icon, emblem, whatever you want to call it, which is the dragon sort of in the eating its own tail position um but it's just like here are a bunch of Aes Sedai which is interesting to me because obviously the Aes Sedai are a huge part of Mm -hmm. the books and the story but like they're not they're just a part they're just a part of it they're not like the thing and yeah it's interesting to me that's a very specific choice there and I don't I don't know I, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's strange because it feels similar in the way that they've gone all in on Moiraine mm, in this mm. first season for a character who is, again, incredibly important and yes. necessary to the plot, but is not the main character. Which, like, I don't hate that move necessarily, sure. but if you're going to make the Aes Sedai as like the 100% most important to the point that they're the only thing that's in your opening credit sequence like that I might have problems with it's it's just it feels maybe maybe what they'll do though is shit because the Aes Sedai do in those early books are Mm. a much greater presence than anyone else yeah so maybe you know like you like you said last time it's like these this first season is going to cover like books one, two, and three, and a little bit of a new spring. Right. Um, maybe next season is going to have a different introduction that will. Oh yeah, maybe. Right, That's like true. it might. They might not be Games of Thronesing it, where it's right. like the same thing every fucking right. season or whatever. Yeah, um, interesting, interesting. But yeah, so we'll see. Yeah, I, we'll see. I like that. I like that song though. I'm into it, <laughs> even though it gives me anxiety. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, let's see. So then our first scene after the opening is also some big Lord of the Rings yeah, energy. Yeah, big it's Lord the, of the Rings energy throughout. It's the four Eamons Fielders plus Lan and Moiraine like riding. There's being pursued by Trollocs through the woods. Mm-hmm. I will say also there's this one moment where this Trolloc like who's riding on all fours comes to the forefront and like splashes through this river. And Preeti, I was like, oh, it's just like Teen Wolf. <laughs> That, like, whatever they did in that scene <laughs> reminded me so strongly of the werewolves in Teen oh Wolf. Oh, my God. You're going to get all the references from us while we're watching the show, you are. everyone. Enjoy. That's amazing. I can't believe I didn't think of it. It just did. He even has, like, pointy ears. That Trollic even has pointy ears. Oh, my God. Like, that's so good. It's the that's... Teen Wolf Trollic. <laughs> Very funny. Um, um, I yeah, I liked the like 
them being on the run and kind of the like uh, stress of it. I will say overall this episode like lacks a little bit in terms of action and movement. (laughs) Yeah, this is this is my like overall critique of these first two episodes is that episode one is all action and very little information. And episode two is mostly information. And you have to wait basically till the end to get any action. And like, I wish they had done just a two hour pilot and even that shit out. Like I really wish they had done that because it's so, it's so dramatic. The shift in energy between these two episodes. It's really, I don't think it serves them that well yeah especially since they're dropping the first three episodes on the same night anyways like I don't really understand why why they didn't just just, like put it at least the first two together and then you get a bonus episode right like right surprise you know but okay what we don't work there we we don't work there it's true (laughs) we don't all right so then they get to Terran Ferry yes and Moiraine is like very urgently getting the ferryman to take them across because we find out Trollocs can't swim I do like this moment where (laughs) the, the, the ferryman is like you're not the type of woman that hears no often, and she just goes, "I am not." <laughs> so, <laughs> I agree. Like, that was a great moment. Money at the problem. <laughs> yes, she's like, "We're and just going." Little, they like get on the the ferry, and they're going across, and they look back, and all the tra- <laughs> all the trollocs are standing. Which the trollocs, like, we're laughing. They are terrifying looking. Like, the, well, okay, this shot though is so much trollic abs. Like, why do they have abs? It's really like, why can very, I see your abs? It's very intense abs. And then, like, one falls in the water. It's just like, it's so silly looking. It it, is. It was just very funny. It was a little too much. It was Um, a little much. They did better when they kept it, like, hazier. Yeah, I agree. Less, like, sharp. Because then you start to notice details, like, why do they all have abs? I'm like, so intense. Why don't they have fur on their stomachs? Like, I don't understand Uh, what's going on. Then we get this, like, close up of the Meridral who shows oh. up and is like the fucking like mouth of Sauron over oh. here. It's very creepy. It's so many like, teeth. So many teeth. Well it's it's straight up like that the the scene from the extended Return of the King when the oh, mouth of Sauron right, comes right, out right, right. from down from Mount Doom or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um it's very creepy. It's his horse is also very black rider horse. Very black rider horse. I mean, the imagery is going to be similar because Jordan was so clearly influenced by Lord of the Rings. So, like, fine. I'm not mad about it. But I'm not going to not point it out. (laughs) Exactly. Um, (laughs) I did think there was this funny shift in the scene. Not funny, funny. Not, like, ha-ha funny, but just funny, interesting. Um, Because I feel like they needed this Terran ferryman to do a lot of work for them. Yeah. In terms of plot. So, in the books... He's like an asshole. Yeah. Like he sucks. He's he's right. a huge dick. And so when his boat. He's like plotting like, to kill them and everything. Yeah. yeah. And this he's like a father who's worried yeah. for his son. He's a sympathetic mm-hmm. character. And so when they get across and Moiraine is like, you cannot go back across. Like mm-hmm. and his he's like, my son is coming. I have to save my son. And he has this line because Lan like breaks the ropes the boat starts floating away and the guy just before he jumps in to go after it is like the white cloaks were right about you I said die yeah, like yeah. you're monsters or whatever and so the Moiraine has to do the thing she does in the book which is like break right. the ferry apart have it drown and the guy dies 
And it's just like doing a lot of work of like people don't trust the Aes Sedai for a reason. Yeah. Obviously, Moiraine is cutthroat and will do what she needs to do to get away. And she Mm -hmm. will make the hard choices. Right. Right. Yeah. This scene, I think they lean too heavily on this ferryman also because like Mm -hmm. who's he sees that she's made a whirlpool. He knows what she's doing. They've already told him that they're not going to allow him to go back across. Who jumps in after a fairy that you can't actually control in the middle of a whirlpool? Like, also, who thinks, who looks across the shore at, like, hundreds of Trollocs and is like, no, no, it's cool. I'm going to go back and get, that'll totally work. Like, I just don't, it's a lot. Like, I feel like they could have done it without killing him. Yeah, but I think also they really wanted to kill him. Okay, so the last thing I want to mention in this scene is there is this, like, look that Lan and Rand have. Yes. That I don't know what to make of. Like, I just, I feel like we're, we get a significant amount of Rand POV in this episode, I mm-hmm. think, actually. Yes. And I just, I just don't know what to make of that look. Yeah, I mean, I read it as obviously all of the Evensfelders are like horrified that mm-hmm. in their eyes, Moraine has functionally just killed this guy. And Rand is very like has his judgy face on. And so I just <laughs> I just read the look as like Land being like, You wanna make something of it? I didn't think so. Like I Fair. Just, <laughs> like I I read it as Land being like as always, extremely protective of Moiraine. Um, Fair. He's it so just, good. He's so good. He is so good. It just felt like specific that it was Rand oh, who was I don't the know. one. I think um, I, I just thought it was Rand was the only one who was making eye contact with him. Like Egwene and Perrin are just sort of, you know. Yeah, but that was a choice, and, right? Yeah, no, true. It's true. It's true. Well, it does set up. I mean, he's he is Judgy McJudgerson in this whole episode. He really, really is. But it it does set up this notion of like Rand's importance, I guess. Oh, I didn't read it that is, way. I this episode did to mm, me mm. because we get we get like um kind of Rand's POV on stuff that we do in the books, but the right. way the show was the first episode was set up, I didn't yes. think we would we would right. get. You That's know? a good point. That's a good point. Um, so then because like, all right, then we get to like they're in the woods and they're resting. Um, and Rand is like, they like the kids all have this conversation mm-hmm. where I love that Matt's like, imagine if Nynaeve was here. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, I know, buddies. Yeah, they're trying to figure everything out. They're talking around the fire and and Rand They're- is like, we need a plan. Yeah. <laughs> and Green's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, they're all in like different places, clearly. Very, very different places. And then it like kind of cuts to uh, Rand trying to fall asleep. And even this, like this is a moment that based on the way the first episode went, I absolutely expected we would get 100% from Egwene's point of view mm. but we see it from Rand's POV That's a good point good point of Moiraine coming in to wake Egwene and then it cuts to that conversation very similar to what happened in the book yes yes very similar uh she 
tell oh well first they talk about the three oaths which is yes. relevant to the whole Terran fairy thing yes because um, Egwene is like how could you kill that guy and Moiraine's like I didn't and also like <laughs> and and, like and he made a choice which is a very <laughs> right. big Aes Sedai POV yes. on this a big mood <laughs> big mood for Aes Sedai uh and and so then she's like well what are the three oaths and Egwene's like well you're not supposed to do x y and z she's like no no no, no. those aren't the words and so we get this like very specific introduction to the three oaths and how they're like magically enforced and that you know Moiraine couldn't break them if she even if mm-hmm. she wanted to etc cetera, etc cetera. and then and then she tells Egwene that she can touch the source it's interesting to me that we're like two episodes in and nobody has said channel yet I was I was I keep waiting for somebody to use that word and it hasn't happened yet in this episode oh that's interesting this is interesting uh and then there's this like really uh intense river metaphor callback I thought yeah I was wondering about this well like first I did like that brief moment where Egwene is like I'm no eyes to die and Moiraine (laughs) says but you could be yeah which I I liked a lot yeah. But that, yeah, then there's this whole, like, in the book, it's like the flower, right? Yeah, um, yeah. That's Which I'm not metaphor. sad that they lost the flower. No, metaphor. not sad at all. <laughs> but the relationship feels very pointed between the river metaphor that Moiraine is using here and, of course, the women's circle ceremony that we right. saw in the first episode. But what is that relationship? like? Right, because where- Moiraine probably doesn't doesn't know know. yeah or would have no reason to know anyway right like where does that connection come from what is what is the show trying to tell us about the relationship between like the Amon's Field women's circle and Aes Sedai yeah because it's so pointed yeah it really is it really is uh let's see and then I I did really this line that she says where it's you don't listen to the wind the wind Egwene it's the wind that listens to you I was like like I loved it (laughs) thought it was a little heavy-handed I liked it a lot I was like yes give me the quotable moments (laughs) it is very quotable I I just thought it was a little too much so like a little on the nose there I liked it a lot fair enough fair enough (laughs) <laughs> but we see Egwene gets to actually have her moment of using the power, right? Yes, That's the yes. big thing in this scene of like, it's very subtle and it's very mm-hmm. quiet, which it is in the books as well. Yeah. Um, but I like that we still got that like teaching moment between yes. Moiraine and, and Egwene of like, mm-hmm. those first two were me, but that last one was all you. Yeah. Like yeah. it, it felt a little because I've been missing kind of the take ownership, Egwene. So I like that yes. we're getting these pieces still. Yeah, yeah. So and then, unlike in the books, Rand has not eavesdropped on this conversation. The, well, a, okay. Oh. I don't. Here's the thing. I think there is a piece of him. I think he knows something based on the way he react he reacts later and we can talk well, about it but like he knows first- they had a private conversation but he had- he didn't go listen to it i don't think i i don't know <laughs> i don't know okay i don't so think the show a- gives us any evidence that he has i don't know to the okay hold on hold on i'll make my case okay okay but First, Egwene comes back and Rand is sleeping outside first of all he has moved outside he was inside and then he moved outside, mm. which I think okay. is a, a clue. And so she lies down directly next to him and he kind of like wakes up and he says, oh, I came out here to be alone, <laughs> which is so mean. 
<laughs> I thought it was so funny. Like, it's like, oh, I'm like, they obviously have to show us like the splintering happening. Yes. Yeah. And I think they handle it pretty well in terms of yeah. like who these kids are and how young they are and how inexperienced they are in the world. Right. But like his immediate reaction is like, I came out here to be alone. And she's like, oh, okay, okay, fine. Okay, <laughs> bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it is a good moment it's a good moment it is a good moment um but that's for I'll I'll bring up the other clues in a second but like that was my first clue is that he moved okay. outside from being inside after Egwene left with Moiraine right right uh and then so so he's like I want to be alone so Egwene's like okay fine so and then we cut to Perrin he's staring at the fire and we discover his leg is wounded from the fight mm-hmm. that he had with the Trollocs back in Two Rivers and he's hiding it and yes. Egwene and Perrin have this really lovely moment where she comes yeah. over and he gives her his coat and I he's know. like do you think we'll ever go home again and she says no and I was just like oh buddies like there this is another good I think the show is doing a great job of establishing the friendship level between these characters like across different pairings and Mm -hmm. which is important obviously for what's going to happen later but yes I really did like this moment with Egwene and Perrin and also Egwene being like you know he's he's looking to her for reassurance yeah right and she's like we're not going back like she clearly has a maturity of thought about this that he perhaps does not yeah I agree and I also really liked like, I, and I don't know if this is me, like, taking what I want from it, but mm. it did feel like a moment of decision for her mm. of, mm. like, it isn't just, no, I don't think we'll go back. It's, no, I don't want to go back. Like, we That's are not we are not going back. Like, she's just had that formative uh, experience of, like, using the power for the first time. Mm-hmm. And then that splintering between her and Rand, and now it's, she's, you know, parent asking, do you think we'll go back? And I think in Egwene is like, no. Right. Right? Like, not only because they're being hunted by Trollocs, but because right. she's changing, which I right. I, yes. I really, really liked it. I agree. And I liked it for all the reasons you pointed out. Like, yeah, yeah. all of it, I think, is very, very strong. Also, just a side note about Egwene, I want that coat. Where do I get that coat? That coat is amazing. Amazing. The costuming is bananas. It's so good. It's so good. Ugh, anyway. All right. So then, ooh. cut to yeah, Rand wakes up, seems to wake up coughing, and he's like hacking, and then he like hacks up a bat, <laughs> a dead bat. So not, I could not watch this part. I just, I literally had my hand in front of my face so that it's I couldn't. So gross. Do it's so good, but it's and, so gross. And then he sees Balzaman walking towards time. Ooh. It's so intense. And then he wakes up for real, and there's dead bats everywhere. So like the dreams have begun. And I do think that they did a great job of kept like even though they didn't do a specific dream from the books, they did such a good job of capturing what those dreams feel like mm-hmm. and this is another rand pov like mm, we are mm. with rand for the introduction of this idea of the dream Ooh, we are good with point rand. okay all right right like yep. this is this is so this this episode is so heavily focused it feels like it's like they like gave us that like okay yeah anyone could be the dragon reborn and then this episode is like but <laughs> side note this rand guy what about him <laughs> pretty important um <laughs> i <a> good point <laughs> I did like that they immediately were like, yeah, we're all having 
Street. Yes. Oh, I love that. That going to like all four of them have the same because and that they're talking about it with Mo- Moiraine, you know, because yes. they're all clustered around like, like freaking not out hiding about, it. No, they're freaking out about the dead bats and they're all like saying things that clearly show that they've all had the same dream. Mm-hmm. And she's like, dreams are, you know, dangerous. Like you have to tell me immediately yep. if you have another one. Uh, and then we get Rand throwing his hissy fit. But I, okay, I think this is the the part B to like why I think he heard, why I think mm, he did mm. eavesdrop is I think his anger, it, I'm not saying it's justified, but I understand where it's coming from. Like he's scared, he's frustrated, he watched yeah. this guy die. Right. And he says, you know, she's like, we're going to the White Tower. And Rand says, there's a place for Egwene, maybe. And that, to me, is an implication mm. that he at least heard or saw some of what mm. happened. Mm-hmm. Um, because that would be a lot of assumption based on just seeing Moiraine take Egwene point. aside. All right. Um, You're making your case, Preeti. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> because it's like. He's so I think that's part of why he's hurting so badly is he is realizing that loss even more so like he was already the one who was going to be left behind by Egwene right and that was just being the wisdom right right now it's this idea of she might be Aes Sedai and that's like a whole other thing he has to contend with well and then he says to her what did she promise you that you're the one like he's being very patty you know yeah and I I am like using words like kissy fit to describe him but I agree with you that like this is a completely understandable response to the situation that they find like it's terrifying he doesn't know this person mm-hmm. and he's hurting because of the end of this relationship that he's been really and he never wanted to leave home in the first place right so like, it's all it all stands to reason it does all stand to reason but he's so pissy he's so i know pissy but he's so I, he's so good at it he is he's really good the actor is doing a great job uh and then so moiraine is like well suit yourselves i don't need you bye and wander and like just rides just off with leaves. Lamb. it's like the best fake out ever um uh, and then Matt is, of course, the one well, to make no, a joke. First, first, Egwene says, if I were you, I'd leave you behind, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. And right. Rand goes, you already did. And oh, like, yeah. Ooh. And then Matt tries to, like, cut the tension where he's like, right. don't be an ass. <laughs> right. We've right. got each other and that's it. Like, let's just do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is interesting, actually considering where we end up later but anyway okay i won't say anything about that well right yeah now. and then um, this is another moment where lan is watching rand yes. specifically oh is he i thought he was just watching like mm-hmm. lan you see the shot where they all get on their horses because they've talked it out and they're like headed out to join moiraine but it cuts from rand looking back and then to it cuts from rand to lan like interesting. it is interesting. it is a specific cut I didn't I notice think. I did not notice I was I, <laughs> I was like there's so much Rand POV in this in this episode <laughs> yeah well, well so maybe they decided you know like we were talking about with the first episode where we were like why are they making it so it could be anybody right like yeah. if you've read the books you know and I was like, well, if, they ha- if you haven't read the books, maybe there's some mystery. But maybe they're just like, that was just for one episode. Now we're going to sh- like, hey, guess what? It's Rand. Like, it's yeah, Rand. right. Like, I mean, um. it's not super heavy handed. Like, I am clearly looking for this. Yeah. And I, yeah. I've watched the episode now three times. Okay. <laughs> and so that I am like deeply, deeply like as we tend to do close reading yes, this. And yes, this yes. is 
this is where I noticed it because we're going to get kind of like one more uh, big Rand POV thing in a little while. But first we have to. White clothes. (sighs) This scene is so bad. It's so uncomfortable and weird. Yeah. So they see that they're coming up upon white cloaks and Moiraine is like, oh, she gives Lan her ring. She tells them all to answer truthfully, but also not to mention Aes Sedai or the dragon. Like she gives them very specific instructions. Yes. And then we meet Jaffram Bornhold. According, again, nobody's names are said, but this is what IMDb is indicating to you. Mm-hmm. Who is playing the good cop in this scenario. Yes, which I was like, okay. Yeah, exactly. Which I, okay, I guess like in the books, he yes. is also the good cop of it's the true. White Cloaks. Like he still sucks really bad, yes. but he doesn't suck as bad as his, I can't even remember the guy's name. Oh, his, yeah. like number two. Uh, Boars. No. Boars. No, 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 not, not Boars. Uh, child Boars. buyer. Child, child buyer. buyer. He's not as bad as child buyer. No. So, like, no. fine. Yeah. So, and, you know, they're asking them where they're going, where they're coming from. And he's about to clear them when Aemon is like, ah, 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 like, I have to question them. Ugh. And then he proceeds to put his hands all over Moiraine to the point where Lan is, like, commenting on it. Lan goes, <laughs> I love it. Lan says, but I'm from the borderlands where men know how to keep their hands to themselves lest they lose them. Yeah. And is just like, whatever, bro. Like, I, I can do what I want. Like, he, ha- he has no reaction to this whatsoever. No, and- he's, again, uh, Abdul Salis is so wonderful. Yes. And just awful in this role of like we're supposed to hate him. yes yes like yes. we're supposed to be terrified of him and it and yes. it's he's very he's good doing at it. it yeah doing that it. said but yeah the optics of this are real yeah, we, uncomfortable so, in in given that we exist in a world in which a dark-skinned yeah. black man putting his hands on a white woman is like something that has been like weaponized as a fear yep and, and the fact that, like, while the show is incredibly and wonderfully diverse, all of the people of color in the team of what we are meant to know as the good guys are all light-skinned. Yeah. Like, everybody is light-skinned. And yeah. then you have these two major dark-skinned characters with Pat and Fane and uh, Amon Valda, and they are both dark-skinned black men. And it just doesn't sit right because, like, optics have to matter. As as good as both these actors are in the roles that they are playing. Oh, yes. It's not about the actors. Yeah. It's not about the actors. It is about the optics of, of that, of, like, colorism is a real thing that exists. Right. And you can't kind of pretend like it doesn't exist, even if you're making, like, a fantasy series. There's words um, for this, yeah? Huh? There's words for this. There's what do you so mean? it's like colorblind casting versus oh yeah, uh, color. It's it's colorblind casting ver- versus color conscious writing, right? Um, which I did not create. Like that is a uh, phrasing that I heard from a journalist named Hannah Flint, and it it's just the lack of recognition of what skin color can what context skin color gives to a person's story. Yeah. I think, you know, I think they want this fantasy world to sort of be like post-racial. Yes, I agree. It's such a a mix. Like there's there's no, there have yet to be anyway, an identifiable ethnic group. And I don't think there will be. 
Yeah, I'm actually really interested to see how they handle the Aiel, given the very Same. specific coloration of those folks in the books. But to this point, yeah, everything's a mix, which is great and interesting. But I think they want to just be like, so none of this colorism, racism, none of that matters in this world. So we don't have to, like, worry about that. And I just I think you have to remember your viewers are coming with their own baggage. Yep. And like not playing to that that or like at least being aware of that baggage enough to not it's kind of like a fridging of Layla like okay yeah you have a ton of fe- strong interesting nuanced complex female characters but you're still gonna use this stupid trope and like yeah it's not the only person female you know story arc in there so like that's better but you could you didn't have to do it that way right and you like again here he could have been very threatening without everyone's touching her like yeah, there's you know there's just ways to have done it again that I think require a little more perhaps nuance. awareness and thought and nuance yeah and yeah. like attention paid to how another a viewer might experience those moments especially a viewer of color especially a dark-skinned viewer like that's got a sting I can yeah. only imagine so yes I agree a hundred percent and and so it's just something I think that we are going to be thoughtful about yeah. as we're watching and you know we kind of had our conversation here about it and I imagine it may or may not come up again depending upon how the rest of the episodes yes, go. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I will say there, like, again, Abdul Salis, who is just so outstanding, good. that line as he walks away Ooh, yeah. uh, and he says, I will not forget your faces should we meet again. I like goosebumps. <laughs> I like just absolute goosebumps everywhere. Where I was like, huh, because Moiraine makes up this lie. Not, sorry, not lie. She walks around the truth. Yes. Um, of, you know, being from Taryn Ferry, how she got hurt. They see the Trolloc wound. Uh, and so she sends. Which is the first time we've seen it since she got yeah. wounded. Yeah. It's, it's bad. It's bad. It looks real bad. Yeah. It does not look fun. Nope. Um, it's just the whole scene is like rough and uncomfortable, but you get to see like kind of how Moiraine as an Aes Sedai yes. is dealing with who she knows is a threat. Like mm-hmm. after they get away, she and Lan, you know, will have that conversation about like, did you see the rings? Right. <laughs> like it's, it's not great. Um, yeah. But so they kind of go on their way. We see that the white cloaks will both, there's a lot of like direct, they're very giving, people are giving very specific directions. I noticed in this watch through. So like, they're going to go west, I think, and Amon Valdo wants to take some questioners south. Right. Yes. Yeah, because Bornhold is like, well, she said the the that the Trollocs were in the west. So mm-hmm. like, and he's like, well, you're, that's, your job is to fight. My job is to question. We're going to go south. And it's unclear why. I also don't want to miss pointing out that, that Bornhold when after seeing her wound is like, I don't like Aes Sedai, but you should probably I, find one. Yeah. Which is so out of character from so how white cloaks are in the right? books that I was a little bit like, mm, are you setting up some other thing here? Like, I wonder. I wonder. I Yeah, it was very weird. Uh, I didn't understand what the point of that was either, except to show how, like, normal Bornhold is against Amon right. Valda. Like, yeah. I, it was strange. I didn't. Yeah. I was like, okay, like, a white cloak would never. Would never would never in but the same right. way that Lan would never ask for his bathwater to be hotter oh <laughs> god I'm trying to forget I'm trying to like erase that whole scene from my mind please 
Uh, let's see. So then we get Egwene asking Moira. She's like, you just lied. And Moira's like, I didn't think about what I said. You just have to listen more carefully. We like just when like, an walked in is talking. a little bit around the truth. But don't yeah. worry. Everything was technically true. <laughs> technically correct. Technically uh, correct. And then Matt sings a song. Oh, about well, Matt, Matt starts singing and uh, everybody kind of joins in. And it's a really lovely song, I think. But they're singing about Manetherin. Yes. And it's like, you know, sing of Manetherin, weep for the blood of Amons, cry for Manetherin long ago. Mm-hmm. And then Moiraine's like, let me tell you about Manetherin. <laughs> Such an info dump moment. <laughs> Such an info dump. You're like, oh, okay. Now we're going to get the whole story of Manetherin, like almost word for word. I mean, I don't actually know if it's word for word. But for it's the very book. similar. It's I feel very, like. it's extremely similar. Not at all abbreviated. <laughs> like it's long. Uh, so like, okay, we've got some world building going on. And this is, I think, the first time we get the mention of like the two rivers, the old blood runs deep. Yeah thing and it it was she says like on the 13th day the army of Maneth- of Manetherin was gone which we know like the number 13 is going to pop up again and again and again oh so, like, I didn't even think about that I like just noticed it just because I feel like that number keeps popping up in the books right um, right but yeah it's like a fine scene it's just like part one to the so that this is so that we have context for like Shadar Logoth as we get there later Right, right. Yeah, and actually as they're after the song scene, um they make another camp. And... Yeah, in these like ruins. Oh, this is where Ro- Ro- like uh, Moiraine though and Lan have that little conversation about uh Amon Valda. That's right. where she's like, "Did you see the rings?" And I love she's like, "He's not the only one who met a face he will remember today." <laughs> I was like, "Yes." Yeah, it's real good. But she specifically mentions she's like, "Why are you taking us so close to Shadar yeah. Lagoth, as they say it?" Not uh, Shadar Lagoth. She's, she's clearly not happy about it, and and Land just kind of is like, doesn't say it. He like doesn't yeah, care that a, she's displeased. It's a it's little, a little strange, right? Yeah. They they are pulling, I guess, like. Again, maybe this is for the the um, brevity of, of the seasons that they yeah. have versus the books. Like, Lan doesn't have much of a personality for the first few books. <laughs> no, no, it takes a while. Uh, there's, like, a little bit which with, with Nynaeve, but, like, mm-hmm. for the most part, not really. And they're really pulling that forward of his ability yes. to kind of push back against Moiraine. That comes much later. Yeah. So, like, I'm okay with it. But, like, yeah. whatever, you know. Yeah. Like, give Daniel Henny more to do. I'm not mad. Oh, yeah, 100%. Not mad about it. Not mad about it. Um, Um, Then we get this other, like, this is another Rand POV because we start with Rand Mm -hmm. and it's a fight between him and, like, a minor disagreement slash fight between him and Egwene and she's following him and we are getting this, like, at least from the, like, cinematography perspective, like, from the focus perspective, very much is Rand is the one we are like kind of connecting with. Right, right. Um, and she's like, I don't want you to hate me for making these choices. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want that. And then he turns and is like, I could never hate you. Right. Like, oh, sorry, buddy. Yeah. It's, it's, it is a nice moment ultimately. Like they have their fight and then they're like a little bit clear of the air. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then we go back to Perrin, who is getting water and hears wolf howls. And he, we see that his injury is still like very bad. If Pretty not bad. Slightly <laughs> yeah. worse. 
And then there's all of these wolves. Now he's surrounded by wolves. And yeah. then one of them comes up and licks <laughs> him. And I am just like, first of all, like, I get that. Like, okay, you're surrounded by wolves. What do you do? You freeze, probably. Like, okay, fair enough. But then he just stands there. Yeah. Like, you don't, they didn't give him, I guess, I guess they just didn't give him much to do. I was like, so- I would have been a very different physical presence if a wolf was coming up to me and then licked my bloody leg like I would have had a reaction to that right okay it's so funny because I literally have in my notes like I do in general need more from Perrin and then I was like I can't believe that I am saying (laughs) (laughs) but like I agree I feel like they still and there's stuff like a wolf yes. licking your yes. human blood. You're gonna which, respond. Like, you're gonna respond. And I don't know if they were like, you're you're so afraid, like you don't yeah. know what to do, like whatever right. it was. It didn't come across on. Screen. Or like maybe they're trying to build that he like on some level knows not to be afraid, maybe. but they didn't. Again, they didn't. Like we're reaching here. We are I, very. I much will reaching. say a thing I noticed about the wolf that licks him is that she, I'm gonna just go ahead and call her. She she has a very dappled coat, and I was like, oh. oh! I think it might be Dapple as like the head of the pack that he first interacts with in the books. So I was like, oh, I think it's Dapple. So. Oh, I hope I know. so. But also sad. I know. I know. I had a lot of feelings. I was like, oh, did they do that on purpose? I bet they did, knowing that like they have a book expert on staff and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So then they're all back and they're like, Moiraine is like passed out from yeah. both pain and exhaustion. And they're sitting around the fire, and I love that, like, Land's like, she needs rest, and so do you. Like, I, I am not, go to bed, I don't want to babysit you. It's big dad energy, like, <laughs> everybody go to energy. sleep. And then Egwene is the one who yes. wakes up suddenly to know and sees the uh, freaking mirror draw looking yeah. down. There's one, like, right there. It's, it's so close terrifying. to them. So scary. Uh, and so they all get on their horses. Like Lan gives Moiraine to Perrin and is like, "Just fucking go to Shadowloft because <laughs> she's passed out. Like she's unconscious. She's unconscious." Uh, and so he like kind of follows, and they're all racing. And I think at one point, Egwene says, "Bella," and I was like, "Bella, <laughs> the best horse." <laughs> the visual, though, I will say, like um, the visual of Shadar Logoth, yeah, of that big, huge crack coming through that humongous wall is amazing like, yes I liked it so much agree agree yeah so they near this wall and the horses stop and like freak out and are refusing to go further and then we see that the Trollocs have also stopped like farther back and are refusing to come closer uh, and Lan takes them into the split in the wall yeah it's very scary they're like Lan's like Trollocs won't follow us inside. And I was yeah. like, great. Thanks, Land. That's fucking Ooh, terrifying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like, it you is... don't want to go anywhere that Trollocs are afraid no. to go. And so it it is pretty wild. I feel like how, like, I understand it, but it's like wild to me how fast we got to Shadow. Yes. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like so fast, but they've done a lot of really great character work. Yeah. Um, so like, okay. Right. Yeah. It I, it's fine. It's fine. So... So, yeah, so, and Perrin notices, like, there's no living creatures. Yeah, Perrin's there to be like, it's so ominous here, guys. Yeah, it's, <laughs> this is not cool. And then uh, they find a place to, like, camp out, as it were, and Moiraine's wound is really nasty. Oh, and that's so bad. She's still unconscious. And then we get another info dump of Lan telling them the story of Shadar Logoth. 
and and it's Matt like they're the like, ones who like didn't save Manetherin. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and then Matt, of course, is like, so I have some questions <laughs> about this situation. Hey, hi, Matt Cowthon. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. He's getting the best moments as he, far as I'm concerned. Well, he also, like, has, yeah. like we've said, like, he has yeah. the most potential for personality and story, yeah. and it's easy. Him and, and Egwene, easy, him and Egwene, like, yeah. Him and Egwene, like, yeah. um... But I did like, yeah, I love the like couple of things. Yeah. What does he say? Like, that's more words than you've said all day, yeah. probably ever. And two, why are we here? Right. And Lan is like, you better not touch shit, you idiot. <laughs> and then immediately Rand goes wandering off. Like they've just been told this horrifying story about how darkness from the heart of the city yeah. ate all of its inhabitants. <laughs> and Lan's like, floor. touch nothing. And Rand's like, cool, cool. I'm going for a walk. Which this you? part, I will say, this felt a little like sound stagey to me. This oh, whole, it did. You could tell. right, yeah. You but could it was, tell. but but it felt it in like a Lord of the Rings kind yes. of way. So uh, I was okay that's with exactly it. What right? I was thinking, I was like, oh yeah, this does feel like the sound stage for Lord of the Rings, and like they clearly put a fight. lot of attention into the detail. Mm-hmm. And it, although I will say that, so Rand goes for this walk and ends up on like uh, the high point of this building, overlooking the ruins, and Egwene joins him there. They have this nice moment where they hold hands. But I was looking at the building. I was like, oh, it's the Flatiron. <laughs> like, it's like the the fantasy ruined version of the Flatiron building in New York City. Right? Yes. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It was good. Yeah. Uh, then we get this wonderful Matt and oh. Perrin scene. Oh. Matt's such a good friend. Where Perrin actually does get to do some things. Yes, so. I agree. Yeah. Uh, so Matt has this, like, this is also interesting. Like, we get more Layla characterization that I wish we would have seen in the first episode. Yes. yes. But like he has this dagger that Layla made for him and and she always said she didn't make weapons, she made tools and Matt is kind of like I think she always knew that if you were going to be in trouble, it was going to be my fault so I'd be <laughs> able to protect you and so he gives Perrin the dagger and Perrin is crying. Yeah. And then Perrin has this kind of realizing he's like oh, my friend also needs assurances. Like, the yeah. girls will be fine. And it's just this, like, really nice friendship moment between the two of them and setting up some good stuff for later on in, in episode three that I want to yeah. talk about. But, like, it was – I really, really loved it. Yeah. No, I did too. Especially this, this like, acknowledgement that Matt is right to be worried about his sisters. Yes. Because Perrin specifically says – my parents will check in on them. So will Rand's and Egwene's. Like everybody's going to look out for them because their parents are clearly not up to the job. Mm-hmm. And like that feeling of like, this is a village where everybody is like looking out for each other as much as they can is a really nice callback to the vibe of Two Rivers that we did get to see in the first episode. Yeah, I agree. I, and to the it, relationship between these characters. It's so yes. nice. It's really it's, lovely. It's all really good. I feel like the show, this is one this is one way in which the show kind of exceeds the books a little bit because mm-hmm. we don't get a lot of this. Yeah. Um we don't get a lot of this in the books cuz it's so rand POV. So don't we don't get to see right. it as much. Because, right. like, anytime you do get to see it, like, when Matt and Rand are on their long journey in the yes. books to Camlin, yeah, and Matt, we get to see, like, moments of Matt being, like, a good friend or Rand being a good friend. Yeah. I was like, I love this. I want more. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, totally. Totally. I do still, again, I still don't think any of this, like you could have had this conversation not be about Layla. Like there could have been oh, no, another 100%. way to do this. Like I still don't, I'm still not on board Did with not, the Layla No, decision. same. I agree. Wholeheartedly agree. It could have been about anything. Just to register that. Did that. It could have been protests. Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, then it cuts to like everybody's asleep and Matt all of a sudden gets like woken up. And I was like, did, did Mordith wake you up? Like, yeah. What? He's hearing whispers. Like, there's, I was paying attention yeah. to the soundtrack. Like, there's all these like whispers and the horses are upset. Like, you hear them sort of like making noises and moving around. Like, they're clearly restless and afraid. Mm-hmm. And then there's um, the shadow. Ooh, yeah, it's all really good. I I want to shout out though that like the sound in particular yes. is really strong because it's like dead silent, and then there will be these like slight bursts of like uh, building and then f- rapidly falling sounds or mm-hmm. music. Mm-hmm. But there's like mo there's like periods of just silence. Yeah, and it's really effective. It's, yeah, it, it like it's super unsettling, and then. He finds the fucking box. He finds the box. And of course, this is like a very different version of what we see from the book where it's like all three of them and like Matt's kind of cajoling everybody to go along. Mm -hmm. This one feels very much like much more in your face that he is being pulled to it on purpose. Well, yeah, or that he's the one most likely to... To be coerced into it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Because he's, you know, actually in the flashback sequence at the beginning of the episode, we see him, like, gambling and stealing. So, like, they're clearly emphasizing that part of his character. Yeah. And so, like, he's going to pick up something shiny, even though he's been told not to touch anything. But, but to even get to the point, yes, to get yes. to the room where that shiny Absolutely. thing is, right? Like something yes. was pulling him along. Right. Versus in the book, because we're Rand POV, yes. it seems like Matt being Matt. Right. 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 Here's here's a question I had. Oh, two thoughts about this scene. One, it feels very symbolic that he like gives this knife that is like a a, a sort of symbol of goodness and friendship. Mm-hmm. He gives away a good knife and, and then immediately a gets a bad one. <laughs> yes. Right? Like yeah. that's a Yeah, yeah, yeah. That seems pretty explicit. Also, I can't stop thinking about if there's no Mordith, uh-huh. How do we get to Ordith? later on like how are they gonna like you know because are or are they gonna skip that part of Pat and Fane and make him different or like what is or are we just Wait. gonna get an info dump like hold on you have to remind me now because okay so, so like because Morgan this is like major spoilers for the book but we find out way down the line that like Pat and Fane went into Shadar right. Lagoth and came out changed. Right. Right. And he like right. basically right. is like a combo of Pat and Fane and Mordith at that point. Right. So like we don't have Mordith anymore. Well, here's the thing though. I think is it enough that we know this shadow exists in like I think it's gonna be enough if if they want yeah. to do it and if the show is going to do it, that Pat and Fane just has to go in Shadar right. Logoth and, and come out. Yeah. And come out. Like Fair he enough. Fair enough. the shadow, right? Yeah, like, that's a good point. I think they'll find a way or I think it's easy enough to find a way around that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh so then everything goes to shit. <laughs> yeah, he gets the dagger, which looks cool as shit. Like I like the yes. design of that yes. ruby dagger a lot. Yeah. Uh and then this fog just comes out and like kills a horse. Oh, it's not and fog. It's like black on the ground. It's like yeah, it's yeah, like black do... shadow. Yeah, that is like creeping. It's Ooh. very like 
<laughs> it's very Shikamaru and, Nar- and Naruto. Oh, I don't know that one. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I believe you, though. Oh, all the Venn diagrams of yes. fandom that happen, like, in this in this podcast. Totally. Um, it, it's, it, it takes down one of the horses. Not Bella, I'm assuming, because God <laughs> forbid they kill Bella in the second episode. Like, I, despite the fact that we don't see the horses again after this moment, I oh, assume yeah. There's Bella no way is she's okay <laughs> and found. Um, and so what is very funny to me is that Matt runs up and kind of sees this happen. Rand, Egwene, and Perrin can't come out of the place where they're staying and no one calls for land I know. they just they start just running are like, away oh shit let's run I know. it is true what? and then we get this whole like split where you know rand and matt are like running in one direction um and perrin and Egwene are heading in a different one and they're like trying to stay together but they're forced apart and another great Egwene moment she looks at Rand and yes. she says, go, I'll find you. I'll find you. I'll and it's find not you. <laughs> Rand saying it to her. I yes. agree. It was so good. It's very good. It's a good choice. It's a good choice. But it's like this great moment where they're all split up. So you have Lan and Moiraine on their own, mm-hmm. um, Matt, and Ra- Matt and Rand, and then Egwene and Perrin. Uh, Rand and Matt are like, they get to this like dead end and Rand is like, hoist me up. And Matt's like, why don't you hoist me up? <laughs> and he's like, still, still it. it's Matt is Just always like, Matt, always Matt. Always Matt. But there's this great moment where he hoists him up because they're stuck behind this. There's this like gate or something and the, the mm-hmm. shadow is coming. And Rand, I really, this felt like, like a great minor character moment to him, to me, where he takes the sword out, but he uses the hilt yes. to like break the door open. And I was like, God, you don't, I could just like picture his dad being like, that's not how you use a hair and marked blade. That's not what that sword is for. <laughs> that is not what it's for. But it's, I liked this a lot because it was like this great like uh, representation of what Jordan is so good at, which is like mm-hmm. terror and yes. suspense and like, like we would say earlier on, where like you forget there are parts of this book that are just straight up horror. Oh, yeah. <laughs> truly, truly, it does capture that. And then I also loved Perrin and Egwene end up on top of this wall. Yes, and there's they see water below, and Egwene looks to Perrin and goes, "Are you ready?" And, and then, then they, they just fucking jump. <laughs> so badass. Yeah. So you have Perrin and Egwene jump from high. Uh, they end up at the top. Matt and Rand like stumble out of a door in the bottom yeah, into like a, like, window, a yeah. lake. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Lan and Moiraine, who like Moiraine like kind of wakes up and she's like, "You've killed us." Yes, yeah. She's like, so what mad. did you do? Um, <laughs> I just wrote, "Oh, Lan, your choices, your choices." <laughs> and so they like get out the way that they came in, like yes. on their horses. And the episode like banger of an ending <laughs> Lan is like leaning over Moiraine and then all of a sudden there's like a dagger at his bat at his neck and yeah. it's fucking naive <laughs> yes it's so good it's so good it's so good especially because i spent this whole episode being like okay but Nynaeve like what is happening to Nynaeve where is she like i'm very upset about how long it is taking us to get back to her (laughs) so her like triumphant like take me to them or i will kill you moment is so so good good. and then it ends you're like what and then it ends it just ends the end But yeah, so like all of the good action happens at the end, obviously. Like it's the last like 10 minutes are super packed. Super, super packed. 
before that is kind of slow, a lot of world building, establishing of some things, some histories, et cetera, et cetera. But we do get mm-hmm. some good character moments. I think, like, I, if I had to, like, rank them, I think I prefer this one actually a little bit to the first one because I want that information and I want those character moments. I just wish it was paced out more evenly. Yeah, I agree with you. I do overall, overall, I'm still very much enjoying the show. Yes. Um, it is a fun there, watch. There's no doubt. It is. And it's it's different in a way that is compelling for the mm. most part and not mm. like for barring again our caveats. Yes. Yeah. Um, it is compelling and exciting because even though we are reading the books, there are things that we don't know how they're we don't know how they're going to get there. Like we yeah. know they'll likely get to a certain plot point. But we don't know how. Like this whole naive thing is mm-hmm. completely invented. Oh yeah, right. Like she right. she does she does show up and scare Lan, which is yes. awesome in the books. It's one of my favorite things that happens yeah. in the book. <laughs> um, but she's not taken by a trollic. She just follows them because she's like, "You don't get to take my kids." Right. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Super interesting to see how they're going to develop all of that. And you can keep an eye out for our television show recap episodes on Saturdays at noon Eastern since we are currently paused with our book recap stuff. And you can follow along uh, the conversation mostly on social at hashtag Tarvalin or bust. And lots of thanks go out to our amazing Patreon supporters. Janae H, Jennifer P, Peace Vulcan, Rio, Christina G, Taitali S, Charlie E, Arcade, Stephen S, James, Barry Q, Ruth A, Catherine, Support Your Local Library, Sam S, David U, Amy R, Maradim, Mimi K, Amanda, Mark D, Heather J, Christina M, Malia H, Keith, Sirius G, Olivia K, Joshua S, Nicholas E, Michelle S, Michelle D, Danae, Destination Toast, MJ, Kat S, Jericho W, Saber Bouquet, Thomas K, Elizabeth F, Emily, Evans K, Ola J, Yulia S, and Brian D. Uh, and if you want to hang out with us over on Patreon, it's patreon.com slash or bust. Our posts about the episode recaps in which we uh, have conversations are all going to be open to the public, but we do Patreon patron only posts with like polls and and talking about other pieces of show lore or book lore um and it's only a dollar and a big thank you goes out to brian dunn our fellow wheel of time fan and musician who created the amazing intro and outro tracks for this podcast you can find more of his work at BrianDunnMusic.net, and that's brian with a y and done with two n's And if you're enjoying the show, please do leave a review and or rating on the podcast platform of your choice. It really helps other people find the show, and we really like reading it. (laughs) (laughs) We like it the most. Uh, in the meantime, you can find us on social media. I am at Run with Skizzers, S-K-I-Z-Z-E-R-S, on basically everything. Uh, and you can also find me co-hosting the podcast Desi Geek Girls along with Sapna Krishna. Who is also the best. And you can find me on Twitter and Tumblr at Jen IRL, J-E-N-N-I-R-L, or on Instagram as I am Jen IRL. And this episode is not the ending. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the Wheel of Time, but it is an ending. <laughs>